Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we have another best of episode. Be ridiculously confident with your money. I love this episode. Uh, It was uh, recorded when I was back in Boston at Fidelity Investment Headquarters. And I got to speak with Megan Murphy. And we talked really just about 
more than just about investing, more than about fidelity, about the journey to becoming confident with your money. And this is certainly for a lot of people, a journey that takes a long time. You don't just arrive at the place where you're like, you know what? I'm so stoked. I'm so happy about my money situation. I'm so happy about whatever mistakes I've done in the past or whatever lies in front of me. It it really is a journey, right? And every day it's going to be a little bit different. So some days you are going to be so super excited, so proud of yourself. Everything's going to look like it is going in the right direction. And then you're going to wake up the next day and something's going to have happened. Um, Maybe you might get laid off at work or maybe you might be making a career change or I don't know. It, It could be so many different things. And it could even be as simple as a bill comes out of nowhere that you have to pay. And it really just ends up throwing off kind of all your goals for that month. The journey to becoming confident with your money, again, it it takes a long time. It's actually never accomplished. It's a journey, right? It's a lifelong journey. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It was actually one of my very favorite episodes to record, to interview Megan. And um, I just loved everything that she talked about. So I hope you enjoy revisiting this best of episode. Be ridiculously confident with your money. financial wellness. I am actually recording this podcast live from the Fidelity headquarters in Boston, and I have an awesome guest speaker with me today, Megan Murphy, who is director of an interesting department called Thought Leadership here at Fidelity. So Megan, welcome to the podcast, and if you could maybe just give the listeners a little background, like what does that actually mean? What is Thought Leadership, and and what, what kind of department is that? Excellent. Thank you for having me, Shauna. I really appreciate it, and What we uh, are tasked with doing in thought leadership is really looking to the future, uh, considering everything that everyone has going on in their lives, not only as far as retirement, but money in general, and thinking five or ten years ahead, how can we help people um, develop products and strategies and theories that they will need, hopefully, before they even know they need them. Right. Awesome. So tell me a little about like, how did you get to Fidelity and, you know, what do you love about Fidelity? Like what makes this, you know, home for you? Right. So I actually have a criminal justice background. I studied criminal justice and graduated college, needed a job to pay the bills um, before I was going to go off to the police academy or I had intentions of going off to the police academy uh, got a job at Fidelity, started an entry-level position, and fell in love with the company. Um, was given opportunities along the way to learn more, was pushed to work outside my comfort zone, and 16 years later, here I am, uh, working as a director in our thought, thought leadership group, trying to solve retirement issues and, and help people uh, make savings easier. So a little different type of policing. <laughs> yeah, it's much different, but it's funny because the more it goes on, the more I'm like, well, I'm kind of doing 
the same thing. I'm really trying to help people to make better decisions. And maybe it's not about the way they act in life, but what they do with their money. Yeah, absolutely. So this topic of financial wellness is obviously a huge topic with millennials. Um, You know, you know, the statistics, I mean, people are out there just scouring the internet for information and tools and anything that can help them kind of, you know, pay off debt and save more money. Um, and really achieve kind of the the dream, you know, lifestyle or as close to it as they possibly can. Right. So if you could just talk a little bit about like what is Fidelity doing in terms of, of financial wellness um, and what does that mean for a company to really kind of take that on as their as their mission? Mm-hmm. So first of all, I would say that there's a lot of terminology that flies around, right? Financial wellness or being smart with your money. Um, and when I think of it, I always go to this thought of like being confident, right? So we all want to be confident in anything we do. And I think financial wellness, it's not only about the numbers on the piece of paper, but it's a way, it's about the way you feel about your money as well. And I always think like, who doesn't want to be confident? Who wants to just feel eh about anything in life? Um, so really, while we're developing tools to help people make easy, to make the decision-making process easier, Part of what we're doing is trying to help people build their confidence about the decisions they're making today. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And even, you know, I get get this question all the time. You know, I get a lot of people that ask me like, okay, I have money to invest if they're not in the the workplace. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who to choose. I mean, there's so many different um, providers out there. I don't know who they are. I don't know their names. I couldn't pick them out in a lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk a little bit about like, who is Fidelity? What is kind of like the Fidelity story? Because most people, most millennials have no clue even who you are. They may, even if they had you in a workplace, they might not have any, um, real connection to Fidelity and that, that, you know, an awareness of like, you're actually really trying to like move forward and help this demographic with so many different things. But Tell me a little bit about like the story of Fidelity, if you mm-hmm. if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I agree because I would say in the internet age, there's I mean, there's companies everywhere. There's little internet sites. You're not sure who to choose. So, first of all, I always encourage people to do your homework, mm-hmm. and you need to pick a company. You know, if it's not through your workplace, pick somebody you're comfortable with, and don't be afraid to call and ask questions. From a Fidelity perspective, and, and part of what makes me love the company so much is that. Working here, we feel like a family, and that is what we try to do with the people that we help as well. Um, It's a homegrown company. Uh, Mr. Johnson and his daughter Abby, you know, run the places if it's a family. Uh, We truly do care about all of the people we work with and all of the people we're trying to help. And possibly some of my social work background, you know, coming out here, it's really important to make people feel comfortable and to ensure that they know it's not about me and what I think they should do. It's about what their next best step is. And none of us really are alike. Your situation is different than mine, which is different than the guy who's crossing the street. Um, So really digging in, forming relationships so that we can take the journey together. Right. So a big company, but you really understand the individual and how important it is that there's lots of different choices and options and, and tools or whatnot to help that. Yeah, that different... I mean, that's a big part of financial wellness in general is that it's really about personalization. And two people can look very similar on paper. You could make the same money and maybe you both have two kids or no kids, or but your attitude plays a role. You may have different goals in life. So it's really getting to know the entire person 
to help them make a decision for what comes next. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know that you have a computer full here of all sorts of stats and interesting information. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could just share some of the things with us. Um, you know, like what are some of the trends you're seeing with millennials, um, you know, that might be interesting? Absolutely. So one of the trends, and there's all these myths out there about millennials, right? And um, I'm not even going to theorize on what they are because there are some that I don't like to repeat. But we're actually seeing really positive things with millennials. Um, I had done some research last year where we looked at the group of millennials that we termed super savers. And when I originally started off in the research, it was 18% of of these millennials who were saving 15% or more already for retirement. And now that includes any contribution their employer Mm -hmm. may be taking, but actually in preparation for um, our discussion here today, I looked back and it's already up to 21%. Wow. So the number is climbing quickly. Um, On the flip side, we also see, you know, roughly 15% of millennials who are saving like 7% or less for retirement. So our hope is that we're able to reach that group, determine what kind of help they need, and not only, you know, work to increase their savings for retirement, but work to understand and provide help for the money decisions they need to make today. Do you have any um, statistics or any um, sort of research on, you know, as far as millennials, like how many are, how many are aware of something called a match at work and how many are like Mm -hmm. utilizing that? Or are there a lot of people that are investing that are younger that maybe are only investing, you know, one or two percent or you know not even in you know maximizing the um the match percentage the, so the match we just did some research on this and it plays a huge role in how much people save uh for retirement we we almost call it like an anchor people don't know how much to save a lot of the time and they say well the company's going to match me whatever it is three percent or four percent so i'll save that much And that's really a smart move because you never want to leave free money on the table. If the company's willing to give it to you, take it. Um, But I think that speaks to the point of people often don't know how much to save. I remember when I first started working right out of college, I had no idea how much I was supposed to be saving, how I was supposed to be investing. I actually had a trusted colleague who he could walk the walk and talk the talk. He knew exactly, and he coached me along the way. So looking back, I mean, he probably doesn't know 16 years later that I'm sitting here talking about him, but he really played an important role. I was lucky. Not everyone has that. Mm. So I encourage people to ask questions. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a trusted colleague. Um, You know, maybe it's Shauna. (laughs) Try to, you know, figure it out and do your homework. When we look at the data we have, we really only have about 3% of millennials who are saving less than 3%. Oh, that's interesting. Now, the average match that we see from an employer is around 4%. -hmm. And of course, that varies by industry or company size. Um, But 3% is an anchor amount for millennials. Um, We have about 10% of millennials who are saving 3% or 4%, um, 5%. We found people kind of like these chart 5%, 10%. 3% we see because it's so, uh, so many employers use that as an automatic enrollment amount. Right. Um, and people figure, well, if my employer put me in at 3%, that must be how much mm-hmm. I should be saving. And they stay there. 
Very interesting. Yeah, I even know a lot of people who work for a company and they find out like a year later that they were actually invested mm-hmm. and they haven't like picked a fund. They're literally still in, you know, the money market or whatever fund they're in and they don't realize. And so I always encourage people like so many people don't even open their mail or their, mm-hmm. you know, when you get an email about, you know, your quarterly report, you don't even mm-hmm. look at it. I'm like, that's your money. That's mm-hmm. regardless of whether somebody else is putting it right. in for you or not. Like, that is your money, and um, you know, and being hope, as proactive. Yeah, we hope that's a sweet surprise when they right. find out that they have been saving. Like, oh my gosh, I've got you know five thousand dollars that right. somebody else put in there. Um, but on the flip side, what I would say is that a lot of employers are defaulting the investments into target date funds these days. So the vast majority are not sitting in a money market, thankfully, um, like I did when I first started saving. Uh, but for that reason, millennials are actually the most age-appropriately invested generation of them all. And at this point, it's like 65% of millennials are 100% invested in a target date fund. Interesting. We have seen the number of what we would call like extreme portfolios, people who were either not in equity at all or who were 100% in equity has drastically declined as target date funds have become more popular. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because what I see is that the majority of millennials are inherently um, uh, conservative, mm-hmm. you know, because of what happened in 2008. And they're just panicked about, you know, being properly, you know, allocated in the market because they just don't want to, you know, they just don't want to have wake up one morning and 50% of their money is gone, which is why I think a lot of the, you know, financial technology companies have kind of um, come to the forefront for millennials because they feel like, well, this company may be helping me in some way that, you know, a large company isn't. And that's not necessarily the the correct answer. Right. Um, but are you seeing anything as far as being being conservative or you're just seeing the target date and... Yeah, we don't see. That's one of the myths that Mm -hmm. um, we can't confirm because we don't see this large group of millennials being too conservative, mostly because so many of them are invested in a target date fund. So usually, you know, the way I think about it is I think we went through this period of time where people felt like they had to be investing experts. And it was, you know, for many, many people, if it weren't for their workplace retirement plan, they wouldn't be in the market. Mm-hmm. So they, they were forced in this position to manage their money. But nowadays, there are so many solutions to help them that it's made it much easier to make that investing decision. We heard at one point um, from some analysis we did that 77% of people admitted that they don't have the skill, will, or time to manage their assets. Wow. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all have busy lives. I have a job and kids. And when you think about how much time it takes to, to really be an engaged investor and really pay attention to your account, there are solutions to help with that. There are target date funds for people who might have, you know, a spouse or more complex planning needs. There are managed accounts. There are definitely solutions, and employers are playing a big role in serving up those solutions to their workers. Yeah, and I even tell people, like, you know, not to get in the dishing out advice column, but, you know, if a target date fund is someplace that you just want to start out, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you you get some education, you get some experience, you use some tools, and maybe, you know, you then kind of change your your asset allocation, that's totally fine. But, you Mm -hmm. know, you're making a step, you're making a positive step. But also, I find interesting that, 
um, a lot of millennials actually choose the wrong target date fund. And so I always tell people like, you you know, it, the, the date that's on the fund, that's actually a really important mm-hmm. date. And that's, that's date. helping you, you know, that's helping the asset allocation model. And so if you pick a date that's far too early, you know, you, you will be more conservative. Or if you pick one that's, you know, far too late, you might not be the right. So, I mean, I, you know, no one can really say like, okay, what year am I going to retire? I mean, who really knows, you know, mm-hmm. but at least use some like educated guess at the number that you pick right. and for I mean, that particular. Like anything else in life, I mean, it takes experience to start feeling confident about the decisions that you're making with your savings, with your investing, with whatever it may be, any hobby you may have, the more experience you get, the better you feel about it. So, I mean, I think that's a great theory. Start off in that target date fund. And then if you have have it in you to really engage and, and practice your investing, um, you know, it's a stepping stone to doing it on your own. And are you guys seeing any correlation between, um, you know, obviously huge, massive student loan debt and it's getting worse and worse. Are you seeing correlation between the amount of student loan debt that someone has versus, you know, how much they're they're willing to, to start saving? So we're working on that analysis pretty much as we speak, but we have done focus groups. And one of the biggest things we hear is I have such huge student loan debt that I can't afford to save for retirement. Um, I actually spoke to one woman who, and she lived out on the West Coast, and she said, between my rent and my student loan payment, I spend 90% of my income. Wow. You know, I lay awake at night feeling guilty Mm -hmm. that I'm not saving more for the future. And that really kind of hit home for me um, to think there's guilt associated with not saving enough for retirement. And, um, you know, you have to make decisions and you can't live in poverty just to save for retirement. But there are certain strategies. And once you put a plan in place, oftentimes I'm a planner. Um, I, I've planned for everything <laughs> that happens in life, not just my money for you right. know, my, my next vacation and meals for next week. And But once you put a plan in place, um, it, it often helps to take some of the stress away or some of the guilt. And you say, well, I may not be able to save whatever your, is you're targeting. You know, we save 15%. Right. But I may not be able to do it today, but I've put a plan in place that within five years I'm going to get there. Yeah, and my listeners know, like, I'm really passionate about budgeting because I really feel like people weren't taught the right way to budget or they were taught it in a very negative connotation. So if you have a budget, that means you have to give up doing something. And you may have to make a, a sacrifice but the two don't go, you know, there's not a, a genuine sort of takeaway. But when you have that roadmap, you know, and a budget provides kind of a roadmap for your saving and for your goals, you know, and I even talk about there's so much like hidden money in people's bank accounts. They're spending money on things that they're not even, they wouldn't even miss if they kind of took away that. And then it's about, you know, learning how to reallocate that, even if it's 25 or $50 a month if you're just starting mm-hmm. out. You know, what's going to happen 20, 30 years down the line to that small amount? It's going to be huge, and it's going to make such Mm -hmm. a dramatic impact. And I know it's hard to see that, like, 
when you're young, you know, and the pushback is, which you guys might get this kind of in your research too, is like if you're talking to a young 20-year-old, retirement is like, what are you talking right. to me that? about, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I often say like, this is your lifestyle. Like you're saving your lifestyle piggy bank. And it's going to allow you to make choices down the line of what you want to do. If you want to stop working or mm-hmm. whether you want to keep working or you want to start a business or whatever it is, but it's it's going to give you choices. Yeah. I mean, we are definitely not, as humans, we're not hardwired to save for something that's 40 or whatever, 50 years away. Uh, we're kind of hardwired for immediate gratification. Right. Uh, so it's really taking a step back. What, what I've often equated it to is like being on a diet and then it's like, oh, well, financially well is kind of like being physically well. But I actually have this app where I track my calorie intake every day and it's like, well, when the calories You're are done. gone, they're yeah. gone. Yeah. And of course, some days you cheat, right? right? And I mean, I'm hard pressed to pass up an ice cream cone. <laughs> but if you think about your money the same way. So it's, I encourage people like track your spending Mm -hmm. and then it really starts to hit home when you're like, Oh my gosh, I paid $5 for breakfast and I paid like $12 for lunch. And I mean, I've done it. And at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, man, I should have just packed my breakfast and look how much I would have saved this week. Um, so I think for me, I'm a very visual person. So having that aid there to see, or even I have, you know, I get notifications from my credit card on right. my phone. So every time I swipe that card or my husband swipes that card and it's like, you get enough of those notifications and you start You're like, to like, I'm tired of seeing yeah. that notification. Wait a second. We need to rethink what we're spending right. this week or, or even this month. Um, it also helps to get notifications like when you've hit savings goals. Right. And, you know, it may be a small goal. It might be that really great pair of shoes that I saw last week and I'm like, eh. And, you know, if you start saving and I feel an accomplishment, I mean, I recently had hit kind of a a big goal, I thought, in my retirement savings account and thought, geez, it would have been great to get this this acknowledgement or something to to pat me on the back to say, like, hey, you did a really good job. So part of being financially well is, like, not only recognizing the things where you probably need help and we all need help making some sort of financial decision – but also the things that you're doing right. And I think the, the new assessment that we have, the interactive assessment, is really good at that. Um, I know, I think yes. you've seen it. And, <coughs> excuse me, it, it really is helpful for someone to say, hey, I'm good at this, mm-hmm. but I need to focus on this for a little while so that maybe I can move it over, you know, from one column to the next. It's something I can become good at. Yeah, and you're right. Like that positive reinforcement, I think, is so powerful. And that's what I hear from a lot of millennials. Like they want to feel empowered. And there's a lot of like personal finance experts that are, you know, a bit older and they don't like the style because it's it's very negative, you know. And it's like we, we already know we're in this like heap of debt and we're in this mm-hmm. like, you know, this terrible, not terrible, but we're in this like financial situation that we don't particularly want to be in and jobs mm-hmm. aren't great and things like that. But you know, we want you to like give us tools where we feel empowered, where we feel like we could set a small goal and like we achieve it and like, Mm -hmm. all right, what are we going to do next? And I think that's really great about what you guys are trying to do, especially with, you know, saving with retirement. It's like trying to have people hit these milestones along the way versus like, oh my gosh, I got to save a million dollars for retirement. Like what I, I'm just going to give up now Mm because it's never going to happen. Right. So, and I mean, I think millennials are especially, they're starting from what I'm going to call a great spot because they have people like you 
who are out there and you're talking about the things that maybe in the past have been kind of taboo to talk about. You know, you don't talk about how much money you make or how much you spent on a house or a car, but people talk about that these days and it's okay. Um, I mean, I came from a house where you didn't talk about that and nobody taught me how to balance my checking account or, you know, how to budget. And when I first came out of college and into the real world and I had to pay rent and put gas in my car and, you know, pay a cell phone bill for the first time, I have found is one of those things that is very eye-opening for people. You know, the first time you go over, you know, your data usage, it's like, Oh, God, what? now I know what my parents were screaming right. about, right? Um, but, and it's not only the millennials. If we want to look even younger than that, it's like we should be talking to 10-year-olds about how to spend their allowance or their birthday money. And um, and I, so the, it's so great that, Shauna, you're out there and you're making this, you know, the norm. Yeah, that's kind of my, my, my mission. You know, I say we don't talk about, like, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion, and you don't talk about money, you know, but money needs to be that conversation where you can sit around with your friends and say, oh my gosh, I, I achieved this, or oh, I'm struggling with this, oh, oh, let me help you with that, or I know a tool, you know, that's kind of my mission is to make this, you know, conversation, and especially with a lot of young couples, you know, I mean, it's a huge amount of fights and divorce mm-hmm. over money, and I think that, you know, there's there's an easy remedy to that, so... I loved talking to you. The time has absolutely flown by, Megan. Thank you so much for your information and for sharing your tips. And I know that everybody's going to be looking super forward to all of the tools and awesome things that you guys are going to roll out. 